again and welcome to the Red Dwarf Intro Cast, where longtime fans and newbies alike get together and talk about Red Dwarf, because uh, it's a pretty cool show. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about Season 4, Episode 4, White Hole, but first let's get to know our special guest. Well, my name is Heath. I'm Angela. I'm Shane. I'm back. He is back. He's back. <laughs> no more space mumps. Yay. And our guest. Oh, and, yeah. and I'm Alex. Hi, Hi Alex. Alex. Hello. Oh, well, Alex, before we get started with the episode, why don't you tell folks who you are, where you're from, your quest, your favorite color, and the whole nine yards, and sort of, you know, uh, your history with Red Dwarf, because if I understand correctly, you have quite the history with Red Dwarf. Um, yeah, I suppose it's it's mainly sort of kicked off in the, <coughs> the last year in a big way, though. Um... I, the first time I saw Red Dwarf would have been in 1993. One of my earliest memories is watching the last five minutes of the last episode of Series 6 and then spending several years tracking down videotapes and watching it back. Um, and then earlier on this year, just after going and seeing the latest series being recorded, I started up a Red Dwarf website called Gaspacho Soup where we have... Uh, regular news updates about the show and um, things the cast are up to and maybe the odd article about something. Um, so that's mainly what people... Yeah, I've, I've heard from. that uh, Gaspaccio Soup is uh, pretty cool. Well, I don't know about that. Because but... <laughs> cool. Because it's so cold. We're, we're a sub-par Worst gag Titan, of really. the year. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll put no. a dollar in the bad pun jar. Please continue, Alex. <laughs> yeah, I, we're, we're really just a subpar Ganymede and Titan, to be honest. But um, <laughs> no, we. <laughs> um, and we also started up a podcast recently, the Garbage Podcast, mainly because we couldn't be bothered to write full reviews of Series Ten, and it was just easier to do a roundtable discussion about it, to be honest. But um, <laughs> so that's something to look up if people haven't heard it our last episode is probably worth a look if you haven't heard it mainly because we have a 20 minute interview with chris robert and danny talking about the latest series of the show and about the dvd and some of the issues around the recording of it so gazpacho cool. soup not something we can go to no i would avoid it like the plague <laughs> <laughs> But for everyone else out there that's far, far ahead of us and mocking our ignorance, check it out. Um, all right. Well, thank you for being with us, Alex. And we're going to talk about Season 4, Episode 4, White Hole. And Shane is going to tell us, what is it? <clears throat> Crichton discovers a technique to boost the intelligence of a... <clears throat> Let me start that again. Crichton discovers a technique to boost the intelligence of a, of a computer and tries it on Holly. She becomes super brainy with unparalleled knowledge of concepts such as string theory and quantum mechanics. The only problem is that the processor drastically reduced her life expectancy to mere minutes. The only recourse is to shut her off, along with most of the ship's systems. When they encounter a white hole spewing time back into the universe, they decide to risk consulting Holly of what to do next. Her advice is to pay poor with planets. Cool. So they found a way to make a Holly-centric episode while making sure she had, like, one or two scenes. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, okay, poor we're, we're gonna give you the focus, but you have to shut yourself off through most of it. <laughs> Oh, Holly. We ought to take a page from Jay's books and just make sure it says it needs more Holly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pretty cool episode. And, uh, you know, Angela was absolutely right in her prediction this week. I was. Spoilers! Yeah. I haven't listened to last week's episode yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. That, that's what you get for having space mumps, Paul. Uh, but no, yeah, Angela had guessed that a white hole was um, was the opposite of a black hole, which it, it, it was. I and, was! Uh, you know, I'm brilliant. Yeah, I mean, you didn't hit, like, exactly what it did as far as generating time, but you definitely had in concept. Yeah, whatever, I'm brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
my theory that it was another shuttle was way off, sadly. But they did go in the shuttle. Well, yeah, they went in a shuttle, but I was thinking that White Hole was oh, the yeah. name of another Red Dwarf shuttle. It was not. Uh, was let's not. see then. So, checking out the plot, we start out with the return of the toaster with a completely different voice, it seems like. Mm. That was a different voice, right? It certainly was. Did you recognize the voice? Not at all. I never do. <laughs> no, it it was a weird voice. I have that it sounded like a mixture... Okay, this is weird references here. But it sounded like a mix between the robot Conky from Pee-wee's Playhouse <laughs> and uh, Barney Fife from Andy Griffith. Uh, now those... <laughs> Yeah, it would. Um, it was voiced by David Ross, the original Crichton. Is that yeah. a fact? Yeah, it is. Can I just say it, right? Well, Him, David Ross as a toaster, awesome. David Ross as Crichton, <laughs> not so awesome. I liked David Ross's Crichton. I, I get why you would think, why you wouldn't after you know seasons and seasons of your regular Crichton, and then you go back and check out weird. Tight, uh, Crichton Prime, but um, Ooh, Crichton Prime, <laughs> Proto Crichton. Yeah, why not? Yeah, Proto Crichton. There you go. In many uh, ways, it's it's not odd to see them have David Ross back because Rob and Doug have a reasonably long association with David Ross because they did a radio sitcom called Wrinklies, and he played oh, what was the character's name, Mister P, I think it was. So you know they, they go back a fair way. I love how the f- the toaster is made by Crapola Inc. Oh, I missed that. I did too. Was that uh, was that on the screen? That was on the screen at the very start. Yeah. Yes. Huh. Uh, let's was, see. They fight. Apparently, oh, go ahead. apparently, it was made in Taiwan with a recommended retail price of nineteen dollar pounds and ninety nine cents. Mm. Dollar pounds again? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I want to know more about the incident with the with the toaster. <laughs> Do you not remember from the earlier season? They're on toast. Yeah, I remember that. Well, when it was early talky toaster, but the incident where oh, the yeah. toaster that, yeah. gets shattered into a thousand pieces. I do wonder if that's just a, a way of Robin Doug conveniently sweeping under the carpet the fact that Toasty looks in Toasty? Talky Toaster looks entirely different and sounds entirely different from when John Lenham was doing the voice. True. Not that Robin Doug have ever been that bothered about continuity, to be perfectly honest. Well, Crichton remade him from a thousand pieces, so obviously um, it has been accounted for. <laughs> it has been accounted for. Just like Crichton, when you fix a robot, it gets a different voice and sounds nothing like it did before. Uh, Paul, you weren't <laughs> listening. You haven't listened to the episode from last time, but that is our new SOD. When the Justice Station uh, yelled out, it has been accounted for when Rimmer said that he was a hologram so he couldn't wear the Justice boots. Mm. And yeah, no other explanation. <laughs> yeah, so whenever something doesn't make sense, we will have a booming computer voice say, that has been accounted for, and never speak of it again. <laughs> makes sense. Um, let's see. So they fight about fixing the toaster. Um, the toaster repeatedly, of course, offers delicious bready things to Lister. And I like every single thing that the toaster lists. I don't know what Lister's problem is. Um, but- it's not Vindaloo. So, he's not going to eat it. <laughs> it's that Talky Toaster isn't satisfied just giving you one round of toast. He'll give you 19 and then expect you to eat more. It, it's something that's expanded on in the books. Oh, okay. And, in fact, this whole episode has a history that's very, very heavily tied in with the two books that Rob and Doug wrote together. Yeah. yeah, that makes because you know what they um, they do a bit of retconning here show wise that I was curious about. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, that's my next note. Okay, I remember at the end of was it the end of season yeah the end of season two 
Holly with Queek and everything, Holly plays the joke about having the IQ of six and whatnot. And it had been established that Holly, early on, thinks that Holly has gone a bit space mad from spending three million years essentially alone. But I've never gotten the impression that Holly's IQ was less than 6,000 or was affected in any way, up until this episode when suddenly they talk about the dire issue of Holly's IQ needing to be restored. The only time that's come up, it was a practical joke. So, what up? That's all tied in with the books. Um, Basically, when they were making Series 4, the original intention had been that the last episode of the series would be based on a plot strand from the second Red Dwarf book, Mm. um, where they have a section of it based on Marooned. Mm. But the world that Lister's Marooned on turns out to be something else um because mm-hmm. alex basically, i am thinking this episode was written was was the last episode written of the series yeah yeah but, i mean garbage world. oh okay i was gonna say our, our book spoilers out but fair enough yeah it, it's um the, the world that he's marooned on is garbage world which is an ice world but then the ice melts and he finds that he's on a world covered in garbage which he then discovers is Earth. And in the three million years, it's been used as a rubbish dump. Um, And so Rob and Doug wrote a script taking this element of the book uh, and showed it to Ed Bai. And Ed Bai talks on... There's a video collection called Six of the Best, and there's a CD with that, with uh, Rob, Doug, and Ed uh, talking about some shows... And Ed recounts the point when he read that script and read the line, Lister jumps onto the back of a flying cockroach and flies across the garbage world and said, we can't possibly make this. We don't have the budget. So the flying cockroach was the deal breaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quote I've actually got is, well, with the best will in the world, it's going to look like a bad version of the Muppets. <laughs> okay. So what you ended up with was them taking an episode that's based on the, the element of them going into... Well, in the book, it, they go into a black hole. And in the episode, they've changed that to a white hole. So you get some slight oddities, especially with the whole thing of Holly seeming stupider. Now, if it weren't based on something from the books, you could very well argue that this is a little odd that... Norman never showed any great degree of computer senility, the odd bit now and then and him referring to it, but never any extreme. But then when Holly's changed sex to a blonde woman, suddenly she seems a lot stupider. You could argue that there's some very dodgy sexual politics going on there. Yeah, which I've sort of hinted at but tried to avoid because whenever I've talked about cat race politics, I've always, you know, gotten shouted down. But... (laughs) Oh no, gender politics gender politics is very much something that's as soon as it's a woman, uh, then she's both stupid and in barely any scene. It has been said on numerous occasions in the past that Rob and Doug never wrote for women very well. But mm. in this particular writing case, writing for women is no different from in writing for men. They're well, no, characters. They're it's human not, beings. But they're, <laughs> It's what? not, but their writing's always been a bit... <laughs> Women are human? Mm. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. okay. But yeah, yeah, it's just, like, from a, you know, like, we're, as you know, just doing a purely episode-by-episode show review, and yeah, this, it's not really been mentioned. Holly's always been quirky, and he played the one joke about having the IQ of six and navigating by the junior encyclopedia of space, but Holly has always episode. been... Yeah, yeah, very brilliant episode. Um, but this has never really been an issue until now. So, it, In the books, they make a, a greater deal of Holly realising that he's forgetting things and he's left on his own and he needs some company, which is why he resurrects the toaster in the books. Um, it's oh, Holly, not Crichton. Okay. And, well, that makes sense. And so, yeah, they, they make a much greater point of him needing to try and restore his intelligence. Um, but if yeah, if you were just watching the episode with no knowledge of what had been in the book already, you could very well view it and go, this is slightly uh, dodgy, especially on the fact that Holly is now a woman. But yeah, the book makes sense of it to some degree. Yeah. 
Okay. And um, for those people who keep asking us if we are doing the books, we will be, but not until we've um, watched all the episodes that are included in the books. I need to actually get the books oh, really? first before okay. I read them. And I've just it. spoiled the plot for you. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, computer senility. Okay. Uh, can you translate for the um, uh, Anglo-challenged of us um, Eastbourne? Eastbourne is um, a little coastal town south of England. Okay. So it, what is cool. the... Other than the geographical location, what does that joke mean? <laughs> there's there's this strange English trend of, uh, as you get into retirement, moving to a seaside town um, and living out your final years before dying. So they're referring to oh, the fact okay. that you'd gotcha. go to Eastbourne so to it would die. Be, over here it would be sort of a Florida joke. Yes, oh, okay. exactly that. Yes, okay. Um... I believe Family Guy one time referred to Florida as God's waiting room. Um, so sort of that. Well, this is the British version. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. So, uh, they postulate that uh, newly restored Holly could um, build them a time-space portal, you know, instead of just mutating one, as, as typically happens. Yeah. Um, and they can go anywhere and anytime and do anything they want. And Rimmer wants to kill him some Belgians. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, he would meet his um, ancestor, who who was... No, that that was for a different thing. Yeah, that Sorry. was Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great, yeah. Alexander the Great's chief eunuch, if my memory serves me. Yeah, I don't think yes. Napoleon would have eunuchs. <laughs> Although... <laughs> No, probably not. All right. Um, so they uh, they do the procedure, and Holly suddenly becomes Tasha Yar. Yes, she does. <laughs> the hair looked, in fact, almost exactly like the early episode where they all get space drunk, and Tasha Yar dresses up all sexy and seduces Data. Yeah, this is uh, Star Trek TNG Season 1, Episode 3, The Naked uh, Now? Nope. Yes. Uh, episode 2, if you include... Oh, okay, it's Episode 2. If you include the counter of PowerPoint... a whole bunch of nerds. <laughs> if you include... Right. Right. Kendra... It's Episode 1! No, 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 it's Episode 6! Actually, no! Yeah, no, well, yeah, the, the, first, the first episode was a two-parter, so it could be viewed as two or three. Yeah. I have okay. No hey, idea. Paul. <laughs> We're doing so a podcast sure. about a science fiction comedy show... That we update weekly. We're all nerds here. <laughs> a tw- a twenty-two-year-old sci-fi comic. <laughs> uh, I've got my I've got my membership to the Nerd Central fan club here around somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a friend of the Federation card in my wallet. Um, okay. Okay. So uh, yes, after becoming a hologram, that's a. But yeah, having a holographic projection, which is kind of cool. I hope they um, maybe keep that and incorporated it into some other episodes so she can float around instead of always having to be on a screen. That would be convenient. Um, but she gets an IQ of 12,000. Mm-hmm. What? I know, right? And she wants Super to ask questions. About toast. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a very nice bit. It was. One of Holly's um, best, and we'll yeah we'll save the exact quotes there. I'm sure somebody will want to. It's been have a quote or two from me, that section. So I won't be saying that one. Oh, okay. The IQ rating was actually twelve thousand three hundred and sixty-eight. To be exact. Oh, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> I'm nothing, nothing if not exact. Um. Let's see. Uh, we learn when the power goes out that Lister has a lighter in his hands at all times. Apparently. Well, of course, he smokes. I didn't even see him reach for it. It's like darkness. Boom. Lighter. <laughs> well, Craig most certainly would have had a lighter on him at all times. Craig is notorious for around that time hiding cigarettes on the set 
to make sure that you always had some at hand between takes. Ah. Okay. <laughs> so bringing a bit of the actor into the character then. And I thought Cat had a brilliant plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if a bit don't say it, don't say it, please don't say it. Yeah. Please don't okay. say it. I will I will never ever talk to you again if you say it. Uh well, let's see. Uh yes, yes, yes. So they they figure out the situation a bit. Um then uh <laughs> Crichton starts quoting Space Corps uh directives mm-hmm. uh to Rimmer. And Rimmer quotes some directives right back. And a brilliant little exchange there. Mm-hmm. Um, they make reference to Captain Oates, uh, <laughs> famed uh, Arctic explorer, um, which was a neat reference. And so they break down the situation. Holly can't pop up because Holly has a severely limited lifespan. Uh, they're running out of air, food, and power, and electricity. And so, okay, somebody else talk for a while. I'm sorry, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm... This episode I really liked. I just find it really hard to talk about because not a lot of greatly interesting things happened. You know? Really? 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 Not even the white hole, the white hole bit? Well, it never paid off. Like, it okay. never paid off? Okay, my... You see that awesome scene? that turned everything back to what it started out from the beginning. Which is a perfect example of the Nokukov self-consistency principle developed by the the Nokunov self-consistency principle. I bet you can't say that five times without messing up your words. (laughs) (laughs) Nokunov self-consistency principle, Nokunov self-consistency principle, Nokunov self-consistency principle, Nokunov self-consistency principle, Nokunov self-consistency... I did. Just a bit. Just a bit. Four and a half. Not bad. Okay. Anyway. anyway what's the knocking off self-consistency <laughs> principle? <laughs> it so, is what a... What is that? I'm guessing it's a principle. <laughs> it's a principle developed by the Russian, Russian physicist Dr. Ivan Dmitry Nikonov, Nikonov uh, in the mid-1980s to, survive it, to solve uh, the problem of paradox in time travel. Hmm. Continue. Uh, basically, um, it just talks about well time paradoxes, especially like the one what we have at the end of the episode. Yeah, that particular paradox threw me into a quandary. But let's okay, we'll talk about that when we get mm. to it. Then we'll keep okay. the knocking off in mind. Then, um, so there they are on the ship. It's dark. It's cold. They are powering a blow dryer via uh, exercise bike. <laughs> Which I kept expecting Cat to just use the blow dryer to fix his hair instead of cook the yeah. food. But see, that um, that is not um, energy efficient because you would spend more body energy um, cooking generating the food. Generating electricity. Yeah, generating electricity to cook food than you would gain from eating the food. Mm. So you would mm. end up starving to death. By trying to cook eggs by exercise bike. I don't know why because of laws of thermodynamics. Yep. And um, during that scene, Denny John Jules keep kept messing his lines up. Oh, did he? Yeah. On purpose. Oh. To oh, make him keep no. biking. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. It's a really long section on one of the um. The sp- no, hang on. Sorry. Sorry, something went wrong. It's a really long section on um, the Smeg Outs video. Mm. Mm. Nice. No, it's not. It's on the Smeg Outs video. I look forward to that. I'm confused. Especially since it seems like Craig Charles complains on set a good bit, like when he gets knocked on the head with clay pots and the like, so I I can just imagine his reaction to having to do retake after retake of that. (laughs) Then again, they do routinely explode their actors, so maybe his complaining is justified. I don't know. And then what do we get? Do we get to the white hole then? Yes, we get to the white hole. Uh, suddenly, a deuce ass basica uh, pops up, and um, yeah, time starts repeating. They figure out that they are, well, yeah, yeah, after, after the uh, split screen slow fast effect, which was kind of a nice gag. 
Um, they talk about the white hole, and we get a bit of looping, and we get some pulp fictioning uh, as the scene <laughs> breaks down to beginning and middle, which is kind of neat. That was fun. And then Cat joking, and then his joke becoming part of the loop itself. Um, it, it was a nice scene. And of course, Cat repeating, what is it, was a reference to an earlier episode that I'm not remembering right now. Stasis leak. Oh, was it? I'm, I'm not remembering yeah. this. So, what was that, Alex? It's in stasis leak. It's when they go through the shower. What is it? Oh, a magic yes. dog. Uh, Why didn't you say yes. so? Yes. So. Awesome. What is it? <coughs> yes. <laughs> But, yeah, so we figure out. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Here, here was my theory, and this is why I say that nothing sort of comes of anything except for, you know, fun plot things. Mm-hmm. Like, everything just starts out from before. Because I had the theory, as soon as they said it was generating time, I thought they would figure out a way to mine time and give Holly more time. Because that was the problem. Hmm. She had run out of time due to heightened intelligence. So I thought they would be able to give her more time so that she could have both time and intelligence. I was kind of thinking the same. I thought that they would put her in the, or her console maybe, in the slow time part of the ship, Mm -hmm. and then she could speak super, super fast to compensate communicating to them the things that they need while still in real time uh, not using up all of her remaining seconds. Mm -hmm. And then I thought she would figure out a way to um, permanently take time from the white hole and add it to her lifespan. Like saving time in a bottle. Or making wishes come true. <laughs> anyway. Um, hi, listeners. Uh, this is Future Heath, and I am doing my editing now. And uh, at this point in the show, Alex had some serious computer problems. We could not hear him at all. He had to go through and reboot. So he will come back later in the show. Uh, sorry for the technical difficulties there, but uh, we just go on without him until he comes back. I've cut out all the intervening discussions, so thanks a lot for listening, and enjoy. Okay. Okay. Well, Alex, if you can hear us, we will look forward to your return. Cheers, Alex. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, yes. uh, But no, that's that's not the plan. They're not trying to save the time in a bottle. Um, Holly does give them a chip uh, to give them a plan. Uh, they're going to bounce a few asteroids. Oh, yeah, no, not asteroids, planets. I just wrote asteroids when I saw the high-tech computer graphics uh, of the plan. Asteroids. It totally looked like asteroids. Great little Atari game. Um, Also, we find out that Starbug can apparently fire a beam that causes solar flares and knocks planets out of orbit. Why does a mining ship have... (laughs) Uh, not 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 the ship itself even, but its transport ships can destroy planets. This is Why the Jupiter Mining Corporation ever. are monsters. Why not? <laughs> because it destroys planets. Their mining ship is a Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> well, think about it. On a large scale, it's got it's a mining ship, so it's got to like dig mines. Well, you just turn the volume of the power of it up to whatever, however many, you know, up to 11, <laughs> and it blows yeah. it up. Or play pool. I guess. But, I mean, but not, I mean, not even the Red Dwarf itself. Like, it's it's shuttle. Well, have you seen the size of Red Dwarf? It's my yeah. The thingy, um, Starbuck, it's just to get into the little nooks and crannies that Red Dwarf can't get into. I'm just saying yeah. that anyone could take control of the shuttle and pretty much terrorize the universe. Like, yeah. like it could destroy inhabited planets. But it's alright, because 
the people that are in charge of it's it. It's all right. Is is Cat, <laughs> Crichton, and River. So it's all good. No and they've so far guys. met three to five homicidal genetic slash android mutations. Right, can I just say something from two episodes ago? Yeah, of course. Right, Crichton is not an android, he's a mechanoid. Hmm. He's. He's a robot. He's a, he's a mechanoid, not an android. But, well, any robot made to look like a human is an android. It's a mechanoid. Because an... A-N-D he calls means himself a human. Well, yeah, he can call himself a mechanoid, but he, he a could still... And I believe that he's described himself as an android at least once. I may be wrong about that. But, yeah, by definition, any um, any human-shaped robot could be called android. Yep. Now, if they have organic components, they could be called a cyborg or cybernetic organism. Which always confuses me about Terminators, because they have organic components that aren't necessary to their functioning. So does that make them cyborgs or androids? Not sure. Okay. Anyway. anyway. But, yeah, back, Crichton, back to the Death Star Crichton is a mechanoid. The mechanandroid. Let's see. <laughs> Okay, so back to the um, universe destroying Starbug laser. Yes. Cool. <laughs> oh, um, yes. Okay, Starbug can fire me. Right. Uh, Lister decides that uh, the computer with an IQ of twelve thousand tops the shot. He wants to take the shot himself. And Cat, um, like many voters. Uh, goes with uh, fashion sense to decide the fate of the crew. Mm-hmm. And Crichton goes with what he was programmed to. Fashion sense? God, oh, uh, God yes. I'm in trouble. <laughs> oh, there you go. Man. Uh. Oh. But eventually, after some shenanigans... And uh, a few, a few beers. Uh, Lister takes the shot, and you know he says it was a trick shot. I'm just going to guess through sheer luck, <laughs> happens to knock a planet into the white hole. I don't know. What do you guys think? That's been um, something that's been debated recently for various reasons. Um, the script editor on Red Dwarf at the moment, uh, Andrew Ellard, uh, was saying just the other day he's convinced that. Actually, no, Lister is a very skilled um, pool player. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people I know think that he's not, and he actually got lucky. It, it's something that surprisingly seems to have divided people. Huh. I choose to believe that it was a trick shot, because I, I keep on saying that Lister is smarter and more competent than he pretends to be. And when it's something that he cares about, then he will figure out a way to do it. I just love in the uh, mini flashback that Lister puts the cigarette not behind his ear, but in his ear. Ew. Yes. A call back to season one, and it's mm. gross every time. It's just, <laughs> yeah. It's nothing. Try putting it back in your mouth again. It's nasty. <laughs> well, I think smoking is nasty anyway, but... <laughs> But that's just me. And, you know, lots of other people. For that good earwax <laughs> flavor. Um, so, then we get to a possible time paradox here, uh, which perhaps Shane can explain to us through Rus- Russian physics. But, okay, they destroy the white hole. All the time that it generated then uh, is retconned back to the previous state and the alternate timeline here fades out of existence. My problem is, okay, they destroyed the white hole, but is it retroactively wiped from existence? Because if not, they have no memory of these events, so they're still going to do the same things and end up in the same situation and end up in a time loop from which they never escape if the white hole is still there. And if it's not, then they're still going to try making Holly super smart anyway and eventually die. What? If they have no memory of this and that it doesn't work and that it causes a problem, they're going to try it again. Can you, yeah, can you no explain that to me in, in a way that Sir Cat <laughs> would understand? 
Yes. So they destroy the white hole, they rewind time back to before they did any of this, making uh, Holly smart or the toaster or anything, right? But they specifically say that they will have no memory of it. Why don't they do it again? They have no reason not to recreate the toaster and make Holly smart and almost die. That, or really die and if the white hole's not there anymore. If the white hole is still there, it's just mm. going to rewind again. If the white hole was erased from existence retroactively, then they're going to die. Can I just say, I'm, I'm mainly on this podcast for the comedy stuff. <laughs> so the science stuff I really don't understand much of. So I'm going to sit back and let the, um, the, the sci-fi well, guys... Okay. It's not understand. even science yeah. fiction. It's causality. Mm. They don't know not to do it. Right. I could... I could- I could say they're going to do it. Well, maybe Lister just warned Crichton. Well, maybe Crichton was going <laughs> down to far, going down to the the um, where where he found the toaster, the toaster and and Lister was taking a uh, allegedly stroll across Red Dwarf, saw Crichton, and said, "Oh, hey, what are you going to do?" And that's his <laughs> poor impression. I can't do impressions anyway. Fine. Um, and. Crichton tells Lister, he says, look, I'm going to fix this thing so I've got a great idea. And then Lister says, no, don't. He's an annoying little shh. And he just yeah. persuades but, I mean, it, Crichton. It, it, didn't happen, it didn't happen in the first timeline, so why would it happen this time? Because they're in... They're, oh, I don't know. Oh, so you're thinking that, that they're standing at different places in the ship when time resets. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. You're making my head. I don't know. Up. I could give you a. I could give you an incredibly complicated and scientific theory. Yay! <clears throat> do that. Okay, here goes. And if before I start, I am sorry. Um, if everybody wants to wake up in about five minutes, please do. Okay, so here we go. Time group logic, coined by the roboticist and futurist, and Marif. Ma- I'm sorry, I just... You said it was going to be boring, so I was going to add some music. (laughs) Amazing. I'll, I'll, I will stop playing the penny whistle. Oh, please carry on playing it. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <sighs> ah, all right, about to start. Time group logic coined by the hypothesis of future and Mark Havoc is the name of our hypothetic system of computers that exploits the Novakovic self-consistent principle to compute answers much faster than possible with the standard model of computational complexity using Turing machines. Hi listeners, Uh, this is your future editing Heath again, and you know, on further review of this section, we just decided it was too long and boring for anyone to have to endure, and we like you too much for that. If you want to look up this paradox theory, you're welcome to do so. Basically, we said it's timey-wimey-wibbly-wobbly and has all been accounted for. Thanks for listening. It has been accounted for. Okay, they they go back to normal, and Crichton gets in a lovely insult. Mm, yes. He does. <laughs> and this whole episode then amounts to nothing in the Red Dwarf timeline. Yep. Somehow. There is an argument to be made that Crichton's hypothesis isn't entirely correct but none of us can explain why at this point. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. But well, yeah, I mean, also... if Crichton is wrong and that they have some residual uh, memory of events that would stop them from repeating the experiment that caused it in the first place, then that that would fix everything. So There, there is a sort of way that you could explain it away within the context of the whole show but none of okay. us can explain how at the moment. But okay. largely it's just because of um, the way that it's adapted from the book. As a whole. Um, As a white good hole. Episode. 
<laughs> White hole. And it, uh, you know, it introduced some, some crazy sci-fi there. Um, they got some gags out of it. Uh, plot-wise, it didn't amount to much because it mm-hmm. canceled itself out. Um, overall, I was very pleased, though. I wanted more Holly. Mm. Oh, well, yes. I wanted more of her counting. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Which, again, hasn't been a thing until they needed it to be a thing, but that's okay. Um, right. So, at this point, we're going to do what? Rate the episode, or do some quotes, or feedback? Well, um, what? I, I think feedback. Yeah, actually, why not? Okay, yeah, feedback. Because we have two. We still have two, right? Uh, I believe so. Uh, let's see. I'm going to read Darren Forrester's, because apparently I can say his name correctly. <laughs> Yay. Apparently. Yay me. One, Go ahead. Thank you. One of the episodes to come from Doug Naylor, reading Hawking's Brief History of Time. Okay, we got it. A brilliant concept, and I think an inspiration for a key point in the premiere episode of Andromeda, even though they took a slightly different angle, also loved that by now they have the faith in their cast to let them actually act out the time quirks rather than use film loops. Loved, loved mm. this episode. <laughs> Thank you, Derek Foster. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't realize that there was no film looping. That's cool. Uh, Nick Quinn says possibly the best episode of the series so I'm going to guess that he means the seasons type series instead of the series series Um, pure sci-fi comedy at its best the concept is fantastic such a shame it only gets half an hour of screen time although it feels a lot longer a seemingly disastrous situation solved by a rather silly fluke played for always debatable potting of a planet into the hole as always acted superbly with the comedy feeling as fresh now as it did when I first saw it. One episode I can still laugh and enjoy all uh, all the way through. Thank you, Nick. I agree. It was a nice episode. Nice episode. I'm glad it held up for you. Um, cool. Thank you for the feedback. Thanks. And if you want to send feedback, you can put feedback on our Facebook group, because we uh, invite you to do so every week, and that is the Red Dwarf Intro Cast. You can also email us if you feel that you should at uh, the Red Dwarf Podcast at gmail.com. You can Twitter at us at Red Dwarf Sorry. (laughs) Twitter.com slash Red Dwarf Intro. Still brilliant. Uh, yes. So, please, give us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing, what you think of these episodes. If it's going to be episode-specific, uh, make sure we know what episode you're talking about so we don't go and spoil ourselves before we've got a chance to watch them ourselves. Um, so, let's take just a moment to uh, give a nod to one of our sponsors. Promotional consideration paid for by the following... Hey, this is Andy and Dan from Total Wrestling Show. Are you enjoying the programming right now? It's been a great show. And if you're enjoying this, don't forget to tune in every Sunday, 6 p.m. GMT, for Total Wrestling Show Live. And if you want to be part of the most interactive Facebook group in the wrestling world ever, go to facebook.com forward slash TWS Live, or you can tweet us at TWS Mate. And don't forget, if you can't join us live every Sunday at 6 p.m. at TotalWrestlingShow.com, you can always check us out on podcast, and that is off the iTunes feed. And while you're there, leave us a review. Exactly. So if you want to have the latest news, the latest reviews, the latest competitions, and the latest superstar interviews, join us for Total Wrestling Show Live, the UK's number one in pro wrestling interactive talk. And we're back. And you know what? We need to rate this episode. Uh, Alex, if you are with us, I hope... We've been having some mic and Skype problems. Um, Alex, can you give us your take on the episode? Maybe. What, this is going to be a weird rate, episode. So what do yeah. I rate the episode then, as we're waiting for? Yay! Yes. Shane! Yay. Let's, indeed, let's hear from indeed, you. Indeed. Uh, I'm going to give it... Uh, I'm gonna, actually, I'm going to give it... Um, what should I give it? Actually, I'm going to give it an eight. An eight Gien- Gienzo Biancos. Nice. Very cool. I will rate the episode next. 
Woohoo! I thought it was a solid episode. Um, it kept the quality consistently all the way through. Um, I liked it a lot more when I was watching it than I was than when I was talking about it. Um, and I wish more Holly was there. Need more Holly. Um, so I'm going to give it seven out of ten bread obsessions. Nice. <laughs> I um, I liked it quite a bit myself. Um, I think they did a lot of things solidly. Um, the time paradox at the end sort of left me flustered, but you know I I, I think too hard about those things. Um, all in all, I'm going to give it seven point five mysteriously appearing lighters. Very mysteriously appearing. And let's see. So, yeah. Alex, was hello? that you? Oh, hello. Yeah. Oh, oh, Alex, what is your rating for the episode? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, a one of the highly rated episodes uh, among fans. I think on Ganymede and Titan's poll of all the episodes, it came in at number seven. Um, I'll give it really? seven wow. slices <laughs> of hot buttered toast out of ten. Nice. Is it scrummy toast? No, it's cold and disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, I get the feeling. I get the feeling, and this happens with uh, with Buffy episodes a lot. But um, there's sort of a divide in the series. You can sort of view series seasons one through four, or sometimes one through five, as as one chunk, and then five to seven, or, or six and seven, as as another chunk. Just in in terms of the show, takes a different tone. And some people love the later episodes. Some people are all about the early episodes. Um, I feel like. And I may be wrong about this because, of course, we don't have the long view yet. But it seems like Red Dwarf seasons one and two, uh, and maybe pieces of three, are very different from what I'm seeing now. And I feel like I'm going to be sort of an early season guy. Um, because it seems like, as as a whole, seasons three and four are, are, are fan favorites. And I found uh, a lot that I liked in season two, um, mm-hmm. maybe a little more than that. Uh, not that I'm not enjoying it now, but just you know, in terms of of tone and whatnot, it's you know what, what I, I preferred the humor of season two, especially. I find I find that quite interesting actually, as you're referring to Buffy, because I always thought seasons one to th- one to three of Buffy were at its peak. Season four went mm-hmm. down the plug hole so fast. I never thought it was going to come back up again. <laughs> See, but yeah, some folks love season six and seven more than anything. And there are yeah. there are certain moments in season uh, six that I absolutely adore, which I won't mention, just in case just in case Adario is listening right, to this. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm trying yeah. to keep things in general terms. Yeah. Yeah, and okay for Red Dwarf, I'm sort of an early seasons type person too. Even though I do like some of the uh, improvements, Cat mm. especially. Cat is leaps and bounds better, and the yeah. more I get to know New, New Crichton, the the more I'm I'm enjoying his part on the show. Uh, more so when he's just part of the show and it, not every single episode. Yeah, I think they were a little too focused after not being focused <laughs> enough on him. Uh, I hate to complain both sides of it, but there you go. Well, I, we uh, have mentioned before, which we'll get to in the, in the next couple of podcasts, that the season order was completely mixed around but we'll get to that in a few episodes they seem to do yeah, that but they lot, they would... don't they yeah like every, every season opener you tell us yeah actually this was like the 17th uh, episode that they mm. wrote they just went back in but time there, and there is a specific <laughs> reason why they changed the episode order but I can't mention that yet we'll get to that in the next few weeks cool gotcha all right. Well, uh, it is quote time. I think Paul <laughs> has left the building. If he comes back, we will have him rate the episode. Yes. Um, so let's do some quotes. Alex, you want to lay the first quote yep, down on let us? Me just get... Let's steal all of Paul's Indeed. quotes. Nestor, Nestor, come on. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Um, well, I'll go with the Crichton and Rimmer exchange with, I beg you to reconsider, sir. Human history is resplendent with examples of such sacrifice. Remember Captain Oates. I'm going out for a walk. I may be some time. Yes, but the thing about Captain Oates... The thing you have to remember about Captain Oates... Captain Oates... Captain Oates was a prat. 
Very yeah, nice that was the best impression the of Crichton I've ever heard. <laughs> Aw, I thought I did an okay one. Uh, let's see. Well, my Crichton is better than my Lister anyway. Uh, let's see. Funnily enough, I have a Lister quote, and I will not try to do an impression. Uh, why didn't I pay attention in biology class? Why did I always turn to page 47 and draw beards and mustaches on the sperms? <laughs> Why don't we just mm. break out the lasers? An excellent plan, sir. But with only two minor drawbacks. One, we don't have a power source for the lasers. And two, we don't have any lasers. <laughs> you totally stole Paul's quote. You did! That's amazing. <laughs> Serves him right for running off. Okay. Um, that's another bready question, too. It's not just bready, it's quite currenty. <laughs> I could have quoted that entire scene, by the way. <laughs> it was, it was awesome. Anybody else have uh, doubles? Ah, so you're a waffle man. <laughs> <laughs> Computer senility, it's such a weird condition. I know. I had a mechanoid friend who, once, friend who once suffered from the same affliction. His name was Gilbert, but he preferred it if you called him Ramesses Niblick III Kaplunk Kaplunk. Whoops, where's my fribble? A sad case. <laughs> it's quite sad. <laughs> Anyone else have doubles? Well, there is also that quick one of, um... Crichton, are you okay, man? I'm fine, thank you, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yes, and we got another uh, opening um, uh, opening credits shot there. Crichton being used as a battering ram, and the planets crashing into each other. I guess the only yeah that one too. Uh, we I think we are down to uh, Godzilla bird. Mm-hmm. That's like the only thing that I can think of at the moment that we have not seen that was in the opening credits. Yeah, and we have two episodes to go so. I can't remember what you said. You said you knew this, actually, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've seen most of yeah. it, I think. Um, but yeah, there's still, I guess, another monster episode coming up because there is a giant bird thing that looks kind of like Godzilla. I'm betting that's going to be the last episode. They do tend to end the seasons on monster episodes, mm-hmm. don't they? Either monsters or time travel, but we've sort of already had time flux travel thing. Well, and this was intended to be the season closer, apparently. So. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. no it wasn't meant to be the series closer. It was just written as a last... Uh, it was just written last. It, it was actually... Oh, okay. Um, this, it was the only episode of the season that aired in its correct space, as it were. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, and here we we fuss all the time about continuity, and it seems like they just write the write six episodes and shuffle them around like a deck of cards and put them on screen. So, well, if they make the whole episode not happen and no one remembers it, then who cares? Well, that's true. It really really wouldn't matter when this one was. So, all right. Um, well, I guess that is about it for us. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us, Alex. Thank, thank you, you for joining us. Damn it. Oh, you're oh, back. Paul. Oh, Paul, you're back. Yeah, we, yeah. we got hey, three quotes and everything. I know, I've been listening to them. <laughs> I, I was like, is it my turn yet? Is it my turn yet? And I realized my, oh. my Skype microphone was on mute. Oh. Ah, you you got to okay. stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. do you want to uh, do you want to rate the episode? Yeah, um, I will rate this. Because, obviously, it, it had a bit of a, like, a more a sci-fi... I think it, this episode, to mm. me... It was like the perfect gelling of sci-fi and comedy. Mm. I'll because, give you that. Be, because of the White Hulk and that skit with the uh, with the the White Hulk with Cat and going. Yeah, what, the, is the, what, what is it? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 what, what is it? Skit is 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 one of my favourite skits throughout of the whole Red Dwarf series. I mean, all all throughout all of the series, that's one of my favourite skits. Because the way it comes across, it's just so funny. Um, mm-hmm. I will rate it eight and a half waffles out of ten. Nice. 
And yeah, Shane already stole the laser quote. Did you have any other quotes? <laughs> and I laughed. I, 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 well, I, I missed... I, the only um, quote I actually heard was the... Um, I heard Angela say, so you're a waffle guy. Um, and then the uh, syna- uh, computer synality one. So I don't know what, what quote... I'll just go with the uh, quote. Just go with yours. Um, let me find it. I'm, I'm actually pretty angry because I did really want to do that laser one. Alright. Got it. Don't be sorry, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay, Triton? I'm fine, thank you, Susan. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Alex had done that one, but it's think, worth oh, doing twice. <laughs> Has, has anyone done the pool one? No. no. Go ahead. Right, right. Doesn't mean she can play pool. I can. Trust me. I know where where I speak. Agus Arms on a Friday night. They used to call me Dave Chinzano Bianco Lister because I was once on the table. You couldn't get rid of me. This pool arm is the sound of the dollar pound, and I promise you that shot will not come off. She's topped it. That's what she's done. She's topped it. That's a felt ripper. This planet is off the table, and it's someone's pint of beer. <laughs> Nice. All right. I have never seen him lose any one of those balls down a hole. Yeah, down one of those little hole things. I love that quote. I had forgotten about it. Okay. Um. All right. So, uh, Alex, again, thank you for joining us. I'm sorry we've had some Skype problems this okay. time around. Um, but from what we heard of you, it was delightful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we hope you can join us again when we're having better luck with with, uh, with technology. Yes. Oh, so Shane, what are we listening or watching next time? Oh, uh, watching Dimension Jump. Dimension Jump. Dimension Jump. Dimension Jump. Let's well, now this do gets... the Dimension Jump again. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a manoeuvring in a leftward direction. Da, 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 da. Okay. I, uh, I am so not getting up guess... in fifth night stockings again. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. This is going to be weird. So, because we have had several um, dimensional... Uh, we had, uh, of course, the, the dimension with Femrem and, uh, and uh, Chicklist. Mm-hmm. Uh, in which uh, Lister's sons are there. Um, I don't know, though. Are they going back to that one, or are they going to um, go to yet another dimension? hope they don't go back to the backwards dimension. (laughs) I I don't think they will. Um, Hmm. Hmm. Don't know. And again, I don't even think they're going to revisit that one. I think this is going to be something completely different. And now, dimension, though, has different meanings. Uh, there's, like, dimension and the sci-fi sense of an alternate dimension, alternate timeline, string theory, that sort of thing. And then there's dimension in terms of size. So I'm wondering if it may be a... They like to do puns and plays on words, so maybe it's going to be, like, a shrinking or growing-themed episode. I don't know. Or maybe they are going to be jumping, like, lots of different dimensions. Yes. Oh, there you go. Yes, it's going to be... Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. They're going to go through a bunch of different dimensions and a bunch of different gags in each one, uh, which I think will work better than uh, backwards, in which they had a single gag. Yeah, they'll be... It'll be sort of a Piers Anthony thing. Yeah. Going through... Uh, yeah, okay. All right. That's That's our... Yeah. I like this. Official theory. So find out. Find out how officially wrong we are next (laughs) week. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Goodbye, everyone. Wait, I said next week, but that's not accurate, is it? Uh, After the holidays. Uh, Are we doing next week, or or is this our last one? We're happy having the Christmas episode. Yeah, yeah. The Christmas episode, so join us for that. Um, And we will be back after the holidays, a couple of weeks into January, probably, uh, with more... Red Dwarf intro cast. Uh, you know, in the in this holiday season, we are grateful for our listeners. Thank you for supporting us, even through the craziness and Skype mix-ups and the like. Um, we love this show. We like talking about it, uh, experiencing it for the first time. And, uh, you know, if nobody was listening, it would be sort of pointless of us to do a show. So thank you. Indeed. And with that said, 
Bye. Bye. Bye.